Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Every single person is made in the image and likeness of God. He's created us and he calls us good. And we're worthy of being known, loved, and cared for. And the Lord invites us each on a journey with him. But it is easy to get distracted by a world that doubts that God really loves us. I mean, if you log on to Instagram or any of your social media accounts, you'll probably be met with messages that tell you just how not enough you are. You're told that you're not pretty enough or smart enough, thin enough, sexy enough, rich enough, successful enough, and we don't have enough friends. In a world that tries to tell all of us these messages and sell us this fleeting, temporary thing, making us hustle for our worth, we have to remember that we're made for the eternal and we are held in existence by God's incredible love. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how God's love for us, uniquely as women, is a message that he's been telling us from the very beginning of time. Today's episode was sponsored by The Mass Box, which strives to help you get your kids excited about the Mass and the Bible. Their research shows that as much as 90% of learning for kids under second grade is kinesthetic. So Ashley and Raymond started the Mass Box as a solution for families to get hands-on with the Bible and Mass Prep. Check out their Mass Boxes every month and get prepped for Advent with their Advent Boxes at themassbox.com. We are welcoming to the show Danielle Bean. She is the brand manager for CatholicMom.com. The creator and host of The Gist, a weekly Catholic women's television talk show in its seventh season on Catholic TV. She's also the author of several books, including Small Steps for Catholic Moms and You're Worth It, one of which we're going to be diving in deeper today. She's also the creator and host of the Popular Girlfriends podcast, and she's an incredible speaker on a variety of subjects related to Catholic family life and parenting, marriage, the spirituality of motherhood. Danielle, welcome to the show. It is so good to have you on. Thank you, Chloe. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I remember when I was little, my mom had a shared email account for the family, and that was the email that she used to sign up for blogs, and yours was one of them. And so I remember growing up reading about like Catholic family life through yours, and then now as a Catholic mom myself, just logging on to social media, listening to the podcast, and following your blogs, and it's just been such a beautiful journey to see like how much your family and how your faith has influenced my faith as well. So it's, oh it's an honor to have you I on love here. that. That's so <laughs> encouraging to me. I know it should make me feel like old and irrelevant, but I know <laughs> it's really doesn't I actually love it and I love like I'll sometimes hear from you know young women like that aren't even married that sometimes listen to my podcast and 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 well I I find it kind of amusing because I'm like you're like younger than my daughters you know but (laughs) at the same time I absolutely love it and it just really reinforces and underscores that our, our experiences are universal we all have our own unique experiences but there's stuff we share in common and we're just all built up and affirmed when we come together and share it. For listeners who haven't interacted with you, whether it's been through blogs or the television show or the podcast, can you tell us a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Sure. I mean, gosh, I love to talk about my Catholic faith, obviously, <laughs> and do it in many different forms of media. But um, so long story short, I was raised a cradle Catholic, blessed to grow up in a big Catholic family. I have eight siblings, awesome parents. Every one of my siblings and I are practicing our Catholic faith as adults today. So that alone, like, yeah. you know, hats off to my parents. And and I, I love to start with that because that is, that's my foundation. That's my gift that I've been given, you know? And I think about sometimes where in scripture, we're, we're told, you know, those to whom much is given, much is expected. And 
I feel like I've been given so much. And so I really felt inspired throughout my life, especially after getting married and having children of my own and finding out, oh, wow, this is actually really hard. Um, that, you know, to, to give back to people who are struggling also, to connect with other women through our shared faith and build one another up. I've just always had this drive to do that in various ways. So you mentioned my blog, which was, you know, many moons ago, where <laughs> that's how I kind of got started. Um, well, I mean, I was doing freelance writing and I had a regular column in the National Catholic Register and I got a book out of that deal. And then um, from there, I kind of just wanted to put together a website to kind of promote my writing. And before I knew it, I was blogging before I even knew what a blog was. But it was a fun way to connect. And oh my gosh, it was real and it was live mm -hmm. and it was interactive. And um, so I loved that. And then that led to other kinds of things. I ended up getting into full-time magazine publishing from there and um, wound up with Catholic Digest for many years. I was grateful for that opportunity. But now, as you mentioned, I'm with CatholicMom.com. I'm the manager there. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to connect with women in so many different ways. And in a lot of ways, you know, it's been almost a year now that I've been in this new position with Catholic Mom. And in a lot of ways, it feels like coming home. Like, oh, mm. this is, this, I mean, publishing is great, but it kind of got huge, like so mm -hmm. much more than I ever anticipated doing. Um, but, you know, through it all, I've always been a mom who works from home. And I always just start there with my own marriage, my own family, focused on those things. And the other stuff that comes to me is gravy. And I'm thrilled for the opportunities I have. But at the same time, you know, that's where my heart is that's where my focus is and that's where I want to encourage other women to look for and find their fulfillment and joy mm, that's beautiful so you've written a book you're worth it which yes. is incredible and there you challenged women to change the way that they feel about themselves by discovering the way that Christ feels about us right uh, and then in your newest book that you just published with Ascension Press you're enough you look at the stories of women in the Old Testament and you teach women about their mission and their worth so what inspired you to write you are enough and What's one of the most important lessons that you've, you're taking out of that book and applying to your own personal life with oh, Christ? Oh, yeah. Great question. Okay. So first of all, writing, you're worth it. Like I was writing about the stories of the New Testament. Really mm -hmm. familiar, really comfortable territory for me. And I loved taking that opportunity to kind of dive deeper into Jesus's real life interactions with real women. And that was so fascinating to me. It always has been that he really walked the earth. He had a voice. He had hands. He touched people, you know, and thinking about that and really just making Jesus real for for women through those mm -hmm. stories was a really powerful experience for me. And I love doing it. And I built a retreat around it, which I still do the You're Worth It retreats, which are That's like awesome. a day retreat designed especially for women. Just looking at those stories and sharing together those stories and learning more about God's unique love for women and our relationship with Jesus through those stories. But after that, it kind of seemed like here's a good follow-up book. You know, when I was talking with Ascension Press about doing this follow-up book, You Are Enough, which focuses on women in the Old Testament. You know, I was a little bit I don't know, scared because <laughs> I don't spend a ton of time reading the Old Testament. I know, you know, some, some people really do and they really, uh, especially our Protestant sisters, oh my gosh, they, sure, they know yeah. their Old Testament. And, uh, but this was a little bit unfamiliar territory for me. I mean, I knew some of the basic stories and for sure I grew up listening to them and reading them on my own, but it wasn't something that I really dived deep into as an adult in, in my own spiritual practice. So it was a little bit challenging. It seemed like, okay, this is a no-brainer follow-up to that book, but what, what did God want to tell me 
inside of yeah. these stories. And so when I began the research for this book, I started reading the Old Testament stories, especially the ones about women. And I read them with a new perspective, with, with fresh eyes. And I was really surprised by what I found there. I mean, there's all the weirdness, right? I mean, we all have these <laughs> hesitations about the Old Testament because there's like, you know, multiple wives and incest yep. and worshiping golden calves and just violence. And gosh, it's weird sometimes. But, you know, at, at its core, these stories that involve women, especially looking at these stories, even familiar ones, even the most common ones, with the eyes of looking at the woman's perspective inside of them, that was really surprisingly inspiring for me in that it sort of um, highlighted for me that God's message to women has been unchanging throughout all time. He has an Mm -hmm. eternal message of love for us, an eternal message of our unique worth and our unique mission as women, uniquely as women. We're called in a different way than men are. And it's, it's so evident to me inside of these stories. I started to read these stories and see the ways that God was calling these women, the beautiful ways they were responding to his call, the sometimes very relatable human failing ways they were responding to his call and understanding that and then seeing God's love through that, his, the timeless message of God's eternal love love for women through that. But not just women in some general sense, but every one of us uniquely as a unique woman, as a precious daughter of God, his precious daughters. And so seeing that and having it match what I I already kind of knew and thought I understood in my own heart, that story of God's love for me in a unique way. I mean, I found it was really powerful to read these stories and just have that message come clear and how far back it goes to the Mm -hmm. beginning of time. These are, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. These are real women's real experiences inside of these stories. And they sometimes the the details are so crazy and different from our own. And yet at the core, we're the same. We have those same struggles. We struggle to trust and we fear. We want to belong. We're looking for love. Some of us are suffering in many ways because of our womanhood. And all of those themes are all the same stories that we're living out today. I found that really inspiring. Yeah, like there's nothing new under the sun. It's easy to look at the Old Testament and be like, no, this is thousands of years ago. This is a different culture. I can't relate to this. And then when you read those stories, it's like, oh, shoot. Like, that's my story, too. (laughs) Yes, precisely. And I mean, that's so beautiful. And Mm -hmm. it really it really strengthens that message of God's unique love for each of us. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a message that we need in today's culture, because as women living today, we're told that we're not enough very Mm -hmm. frequently. So I logged off Instagram about, oh gosh, I logged on back to it this year, but I was off for a couple years because Mm -hmm. I just got sick of just how I was constantly being told that I wasn't enough. I wasn't thin enough. I wasn't beautiful enough. I wasn't smart enough. Mm -hmm. And so beautifully, like with social media, you have the option to kind of curate your feed and like pick and choose things that are inspirational and good, but it's still this constant message of how we're not enough. So in your experience, with writing this book, with your work with women, with your life as a Catholic woman, how do you encourage women to realize that their worth lies in the fact that they're God's beloved daughter and not in what they look like or how successful they are in their career or mm-hmm. the relationships that they have? Yeah, I mean, I think this is such an important thing. And that's why I I did a title of this book, You Are Enough, because as cheesy as it might sound to some people, I know some people hear the title of this book and the previous book, You're Worth It, and they roll their eyes just a little bit. Um, but I understand that reaction. But at the 
the same time, let's be truthful here. And I know this really well because I'm working with women every day. I'm working with women through my speaking ministry, through my writing, through CatholicMom.com. Mm-hmm. Women are hurting and they are struggling inside of their core identity of who they are, what they're worth, what they're good for. Because even those of us who know this, and I'm one of them, I know this in my heart, I know it, and I still... I struggle because we're saturated with this message inside of our culture. And it's not just about like beauty standards or um, social standards. It's all of it put together. It's all of that. And it's been my experience. Satan really uses that because women are very vulnerable in that way. We're very vulnerable inside of our core identity and our self-worth and our understanding of our dignity as women. We're really, I mean, just look at today's culture and look at like the stuff that's going on in politics and the kind of women's voice that gets a microphone today and you know women are confused and they don't know their dignity and I think that absolutely is the word that we need to focus on when it comes to our feminine identities is the dignity that we have and the worth that we have inside of our calling to womanhood whatever that may look like inside of your life right now and that God has that message where he wants to remind us of our worth and our culture is in subtle ways sometimes in really obnoxious ways sometimes letting us know that we're not measuring up and I love that you mentioned Instagram because you know here I am this this mom of a growing family my kids are older now and um, we like to think maybe this is a problem of the younger generation of not feeling like you don't fit in or you don't belong Mm. or you're not measuring up and I mean for sure like that's super super dramatic it happens in very dramatic ways like throughout high school and maybe college but at the same time I'm vulnerable to that and I see my my friends who are in my same demographic and even older who do struggle with that because we're living in this culture where you can see everything and you can know everybody else's details. And so I think it's especially challenging today because we're surrounded by images of perfection and other people's portrayals of the perfection going on in their lives, whether it's through their homemaking or their family life or the way they dress or what kind of car they drive or what circle of friends they have or whatever it is you're tempted to compare yourself. So I'm proud of you for locking off of Instagram, recognizing (laughs) that, and that doesn't mean nobody can be on Instagram. I love Instagram, but it's it's recognizing Mm -hmm. the powerful influence that it can be in your life for the positive or for the negative. And you know, taking responsibility for that and controlling how much you're going to let it affect you, filtering which accounts you're going to follow, recognizing your response to certain kinds of accounts and (laughs) just not following those, you know, recognizing where you find encouragement and seeking that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love how this understanding of like our dignity and our worth just kind of flies in the face of the culture. Because when you look at what it means to be a woman, what it means to possess that feminine genius, a lot of the characteristics that are inherent to our dignity, to our dignity as being a woman, like the fact sensitivity, maternity, Mm -hmm. generosity, those are things that the culture tells us are weaknesses. Like, oh, you're sensitive. Oh, you wear your heart on your sleeves. Like that's a weakness. You need to get over that. And so instead to just realize that, no, that's not something to overcome. It's something to embrace and something to, you know, interact with in a, in a good prudent way, but that's what makes you a woman. And if you're going to take part of that away, then you're taking away your creativity, your passion, your ability to empathize and all those different things that are, that we're blessed with as women. Absolutely. I love hearing you say that because that's so true. And, you know, it's really St. John Paul II's message to us, but it's God's 
message to us. Right. It's just spoken to us through his beautiful and inspiring and encouraging words. But it truly is that, you know, there's nothing more sexist than a culture that tells women you need to be other than you are yes. to be successful. You need to hide your natural inclinations. You need to squelch that thing that you're really good at. And you need to hide your unique strengths and gifts in order to be successful, happy, fulfilled, whatever, fill in the blank. That's what our culture is telling us. And I think there's nothing more sexist than telling women they need to be other than who God made them to be. Exactly. No, amen. And I, like you said, this isn't just something that's coming from JP2. This is something that's coming from God. And it's this timeless message that he's been telling us from the beginning exactly. with the first woman. So in your book, uh, focusing on women from the Old Testament, what women are readers going to get to know through reading that book? And what woman's story struck a chord with you in your own personal life? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. It's really hard to choose. But I mean, I looked at ones like obvious ones. You know, everybody wants to hear about Ruth, right? You know, (laughs) and, and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But and Sarah and, you know, and Hannah and all these stories that are familiar to us. And then Bathsheba. You know, we all know that name, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But this really stood out to me because it's the story of King David. It's not the story of Bathsheba, right? So Mm -hmm. reading that story through the eyes of Bathsheba um, really opened my heart to the message that God was giving us about, first of all, I never realized how sexist I was in reading that particular story in the past. I read it completely from King David's perspective. Bathsheba was a pawn, a a prop inside of a story to, you know, serve King David's purposes in more, way than, more ways than one. Of course, he, he abused her, used her sexually for his own purposes, but also just in our reading of it, she's just a, an object, perhaps. And um, really starting to look at that story, like, what, how did she feel? What, yeah. did she, what did she think? Because I think our assumption for many of us when we first read that story is, oh, she was some kind of a seductress, right? And, mm-hmm. and she was fully participating in this relationship. Scripture does not tell us that. It doesn't tell us anything about what she thought or felt. It told us that King David saw her bathing and lusted after her and then called for her to come to him and then he lay with her. That is what we're told. We're not told that, you know, she was seducing him and that she was enjoying this relationship and she was a married woman. She was a happily married woman. And so understanding that this likely was a very much, you know, talk about being ahead of his time. God's way ahead of his time because this is like the hashtag me too thing going yeah. on here, right? This is him abusing his power to take advantage of a vulnerable woman sexually. And um, then after the fact, she continues to suffer at the hands of King yeah. David, who's a powerful man. You know, she has the audacity to turn up pregnant after their encounter. And how annoying is that, right? I mean, and, and just, you know, seeing that and hearing that, that, you know, in women, are uniquely vulnerable inside of sexual relationships. When we use sex outside of marriage, women are the ones so many times who suffer the consequences, much more so than men who are able to just move on with their lives. But we, you know, physically and emotionally and spiritually are so much more vulnerable inside of that relationship because we're made different. We're made Mm -hmm. for different purposes. And the fact that King David used her in that way, and then even after the fact when she's pregnant, then, you know, to cover up his sin, it's all from his perspective, it's what he needs, right? Um, Has her husband killed. So then she's deprived of her husband because of King David's sin. And ultimately, 
ultimately she's deprived even of that child that she carries and she's told by the prophet Nathan that she, it's a consequence of the sin and so we can read this and, and for me it was shocking to me that what what my eyes were opened up to when I looked at that passage through the eyes of a vulnerable woman who Bathsheba is and she didn't become just this character you know this two-dimensional kind of cardboard prop for me in the story anymore she was a real woman who suffered real consequences because of other sins and how many of us can relate to that sometimes we suffer because of our own sin but how many times do we suffer just because someone else is using us someone else is looking at us the wrong way someone else is using us as a, a, a prop for their their pleasures or their their you know, whatever's going on in their lives, and especially at the hands of powerful men. So I think that this story, inside of this story, God is telling us that Bathsheba has a voice, and she's precious to him. And, and we do see that. I don't want to just talk about this one story, but um, we do see that when when the prophet Nathan later tells the story to David about the little ewe lamb, the man who yeah. loved the little ewe lamb. And I had never read this story before. I mean, we all know the drama of this story, right, where he describes this man who, a poor man who had only a little ewe lamb and he loved her like a daughter and then a rich man came and took that lamb and killed it for his own supper and king david is outraged right but then nathan says that's you you've done this so what does that mean inside of the story that god is telling david through the prophet nathan he's telling him bathsheba is my precious daughter She's that precious you lamb. And what God is telling us as we read these stories today, thousands of years later, is you are that precious you lamb. You are my precious daughter. You have a voice. I see you. And I see you in your pain. I see you in your struggle. I see you when others might victimize you and you feel like you have no voice. And God is speaking powerfully to every woman today through that timeless story. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. And it's just such a shift in perspective because it's easy to read those stories. And like you said, like if you don't sit sit down and really meditate on them and from the perspective of a woman mm-hmm. as women reading the Old Testament to just dive into the fact that there is two sides to that story. And in some ways we're reading in between the lines, but at the same time, God is blatantly obvious with, with how he cares for these women too. Even like you said, like as they're suffering the consequences of other people's sin right. um, and disobedience. Uh-huh. I know. Yeah. So beautiful. That's incredible. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you see these women in the Old Testament are really, like you said, like they're struggling with the same things that, again, we women living here in 2018 are still struggling with too, whether Mm -hmm. that's consequences of other people's sin or being used or being victimized. But I I think another one too that you speak into this in this book is this desire of our, on our hearts as women to belong. Yeah. Uh, And we want people to know our stories and we want people to to not think that we're too much or Uh to think that our story is not enough. And we have this desire to be known and loved and cared for. So how do we as women today through the lens too of the women of the old Testament overcome the lie that we don't belong anywhere and that we're the only one struggling with something. Yeah. I mean, I always find this that, you know, it's so ironic because so many of us do struggle with this. I think every woman struggles with this on some level. It's built into us, this longing to belong. And um, a lot of times we can find our kind of belonging inside of social situations, inside of our families, but none of that is truly satisfying in the way that we're built for, you know, that longing is built into us. It's not going to be lasting satisfaction that we find inside of those kinds of relationships relationships. And yet we all do struggle with it. You know, we were talking about looking at Instagram and feeling like you don't fit in or, you uh-huh. know, think about the, you know, middle school lunch table. And, but, but that doesn't go away when you grow up. I mean, you may not be worrying about the lunch table anymore, but then we all do have our moments of feeling like, 
I'm not measuring up or I'm the only one who's struggling with this particular thing. And I think the most ironic thing is that everyone is kind of walking around with that feeling that I'm the only one. I'm the only outsider feeling like an outsider. And it's truly inside of our relationship with our creator that we find that lasting sense of fulfillment and belonging because that's what we're made for. That's what we're built for. All these other things can work in some ways and they can be beautiful and edifying in lots of different ways, but none of them is truly going to satisfy our hearts. So that's why we're walking around with that feeling of lack, that feeling of like we're not belonging, we're not fitting in. I find that there's so much strength for us to be to be gained as women coming together and just being vulnerable with one another and being honest about what's going on. It's so difficult to do sometimes, you know, and, you know, we already talked about the, the Me Too movement. And politically, I think that became sort of a football back and forth between different powerful parties. And I, I but I think at its core, there's something real going on there. There's something incredibly powerful about coming together as a group of women and having someone share their story of struggle, of pain, of hurt, of feeling like they're not enough, and then having that response from other women me too I'm struggling too I think Mm -hmm. that's so powerful and that really speaks directly to our feminine hearts when we can connect with one another and know that we're struggling together and then through our interactions with one another come to truly understand that this is part of God's plan for us you know this is built in this longing for something else this longing for belonging and how can we fulfill it it's inside of our relationship with our Lord I remember reading Brene Brown and her talks on vulnerability and how she talks about like being vulnerable. If you're being vulnerable, you are inherently encouraging other women or men to be vulnerable because someone's got to be that first person to stand up and say, I do not have everything together. I'm a mess. I remember when I was in college going to a retreat and having women around me who I had you know, assumed just culturally that, you know, they probably have their stuff together. They probably know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for them to share their stories of how they were broken and how they were being healed and how life changing that was for me, because I left knowing that I didn't have to have this mask of perfectionism on and it wouldn't have happened unless women had stood up and said said that they were struggling too. Absolutely. It's so deeply powerful. And I think it's, you know, when you, when you open up with that kind of honesty with one another, it also opens us up to being truly who we are. Yes. Um, When you're embracing your weakness, you know what? You're also giving yourself and others permission to embrace your strengths. And Mm -hmm. I think that is so powerful to us as women, because, you know, that's the flip side of the coin here, like to fit in. Sometimes you don't want to be too much. Sometimes you're hiding something that you're you're feeling driven towards, something you're passionate about, something you're awesome at, because other people aren't doing that. That's kind of weird, you know, and you want to be able to fit in that ultimate longing for belonging. And so it's in being vulnerable and admitting, hey, you know, we're all unique, but we all have these kinds of struggles in common. We are all hurting. We're lacking in some ways. But then here's another part of who I am. And here's an awesome thing that I see in you that, you know, we're able to build each other up in that way. That's why I think it's so important for women to come together with other women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like being that first person or being vulnerable, it does take courage. I love how Christ comes back from the resurrection to minister to the apostles and he leads with his wounds. Yes. Like he doesn't show up and say, you know, I'm perfect. Everything's good to go. And we're never, you know, just brush everything under the rug and we'll just start from scratch. No, like here's how I've been hurt. But at the same time, here's how that's being redeemed. And he wants to do that with our stories too, but it requires us being authentic and vulnerable, especially with the other women in our lives. Absolutely. 100% true. So another struggle that most women 
know, if not all women know, is that of comparison, which we've kind of touched on with Instagram. Ooh, yeah. or just even, oh my gosh, yeah. Even in everyday <laughs> life. I go to the gym and it takes me two minutes to, you know, start struggling with comparison. And that's on a good day. <laughs> And I love that we can learn from these stories of women in the Old, in the New Testament, throughout history. This is this timeless lesson of worth and belonging. But how do we balance this, looking at the stories of other women, whether that's in our own life or reading through Scripture, and learning from their stories, but at the same time not falling into the trap of comparing our stories to those yeah. women's stories? I mean, I think that it's, it's so important to do that. You know, and I always, you know, when I speak to groups of women, like I, I speak at different women's conferences and retreats, and, and that's always an element that's present inside of those gatherings is that temptation toward jealousy, competition, comparison. The fact is, we women are awesome at noticing details, right? This is, one, this is one of our gifts, right? And And yet we use it against ourselves sometimes by noticing everybody else's details like oh she looks great you know and oh she her family is is really you know her kids are awesome she's awesome obviously an awesome mom or or people's social status or whatever those details are that are distracting you from your own work I think that we're really vulnerable to that and you know who knows that I mean Satan knows that he does and that's why we struggle with this and I think putting in that perspective always gives me a shot in the arm like oh yeah not today you know that's (laughs) That's not happening here. But just knowing that, you know, he delights in that rivalry between women. He delights in that division and, you know, the kind of jealousy and competition that can divide us because he knows He knows the strength of a powerful woman who knows herself, who knows her identity in the eyes of God, who knows her strength and knows what she's made for. He is terrified of the powerful force for the good we women can be when we come together and build each other up. He knows it and he's known it since the Garden of Eden. You know, he's known since Eve that we're built for this greatness and that we have this in us. We have this hope that we bring to the world in a unique way with our femininity and he's terrified of it. So this is one of the tools that he can use to divide us, to distract us, to make us feel like we're not up to the task, to make us feel unworthy, to, you know, make us feel like we don't fit in and we don't belong and we don't have a place here. And I mean, I think it's really powerful to frame it in that way. You know, I don't want to be the church lady who's always talking about Satan, but he's (laughs) real and he's got your number. And I think it's important for us to know that if you want to be the woman that God made you to be, you need to be careful about about what's what's influencing you, what voices you're listening to in your life and be filtering those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Be who you're created to be. Like that's, yes. that's the story we're called to live. We're not called to live this woman's story or the woman next door's story or the woman in front of us at church story. We're mm-hmm. called to live our story. And then when we realize that belovedness that we have, I've been reading Henry Nowen's Life of the Beloved. So oh, it's like in every yes. conversation. <laughs> Amazing. Love it. It's so good. And mm-hmm. I'm so sad that I just discovered this at 23 years old. Um, <laughs> you're doing okay. Not... I think I did in my 30s. So you're good. <laughs> that would have made high school so much easier. Um, <laughs> But when you have that that identity, you're able to recognize those details and just appreciate them like, oh my gosh, her family's beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for such a beautiful family that's glorifying you yeah. instead of just instantly, I'm just really struggling and they're all a mess and just having that comparison. But when it has, when your identity is just rooted in the fact that you're enough and you are good and you've been created as good, that just shifts 
everything. And it just changes the way that you interact with women. It does. It does. It is so deeply powerful. And I think we can't come together enough and remind each other of that enough because, you know, the world is pulling us in another way all the time. And it's not, you know, it's unrelenting in, you know, its message that it's sending to us. So we need to be just as unrelenting in our commitment to ourselves and to one another in building one another up and affirming what is good about each of us and what we're made for. Especially, yeah, with rejecting that that uh, culture of comparison, 100%. Yes. Daniel, where can listeners find your latest book, You're Enough, What Women Know the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth, and your other books and your other writing and blogging online? So, you know, for any information about me and my work and my ministry, you can go to daniellebean.com. There's a tab for the books there. You can click over. All the books are available on Amazon. So that's the place to get them right now because Ascension's already sold out of their first printing. So so beautiful. It is. It's (laughs) awesome. But it's also frustrating because I'm like, (laughs) I want people to be getting their books. But Amazon still has some in stock. So you can still order there. And that's where I'm encouraging people to go is over to Amazon right now. But, you know, people might be listening to this far into the future and check it out at daniellebean.com. Dot com. You can get all the information there and all the links and everything. Perfect. Beautiful. The question that I used to wrap up the interview for Letters to Women is, Danielle, how did the women of the Old Testament inspire you to live out the feminine genius in a world that diminishes self- women's self-worth? Yeah. I mean, I think really the way that um, the women of the Old Testament have inspired me is just in the honesty of their stories, right? And and the the details of their stories that are so meaningful to us in ways that might be unexpected today. So what what I found was that there's a message of God's timeless love written through these women's stories, as crazy as some of them are, you know, like the book of Judith, you know, you've got Judith cutting off an (laughs) enemy army general's head, you know, not many of us are going to be called to do that in our lives. And yet we're called to do sometimes what feels impossibly hard, you know, those kinds of things, those general themes of our struggle to fit in, our struggle to belong, our looking for love, our struggle to trust in God's goodness, our struggle to pray and feel connected to God um, and feel provided for that kind of security that we're longing for and our struggle to know who we are and what God made us for you know there's a timeless message of that and but in finding that I found that you know long before St. John Paul II here's the feminine genius alive and well mm-hmm. inside of these women's hearts and their minds and the way they're working and their families the way they're relating to their creator and so it just underscored all the more for me the truth of those teachings the truth of our dignity and our work in the eyes of God. And that's where every one of us needs to be focused. And we can never more powerfully come together um, than, you know, coming together as women and sharing those stories. So through the Old Testament, these women are sharing their stories with us. And it really just kind of encourages me to continue to share my stories and to listen to other women who are sharing their stories. Because as different as they are in their details at the core, those struggles are the same. And there's so much to be gained in encouragement and affirmation and our identity as precious daughters of God through those stories. Mm, Amen. Danielle, thank you so much for the resource that this newest book is, but also, holy smokes, for the resource that you are to women and for how your authenticity and just vulnerability leads them back to the Lord and back to his heart. So thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for all the years that I've been able to interact with you through blogs and books and just how beautiful it's just been to really get to know you a little bit better. Thank you, Chloe. It's been a real encouragement and a joy to be talking with you today. 
Thanks for listening to the show. If you head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com, you can check out the show notes for this week's episodes, where you'll find links to Danielle's website as well as her incredible books. If you have a few minutes to spare, check us out on iTunes and leave us a rating and review so that more women and men can find this resource. This past week, I sat down and planned out the upcoming months for Letters to Women, and it is going to be amazing. Get ready for interviews with Sister Miriam James from the SALT community about Advent and prepping for Christmas, a conversation about working Catholic moms with Joanna Walland, and I'll be sitting down and chatting with my little sister, Maddie, about traveling and getting out of our comfort zones. So keep checking in every other Thursday for brand new episodes. That is all I have for this week, so until next time, be not afraid. <laughs>